Well, thank you for your warm welcome. It's always a <laughs> privilege to keep my hands in my pocket. It's a great privilege to come and share with you again. We, we love you so much, we just feel part of your family. This morning, I want to talk about nothing. Nothing that will then lead us to something. Psalm 148. Did you know that was in the Bible? From nothing to something, he spoke and created it all. For those taking notes, my title this morning is The Divine Imperative. God commands, and it was done. But actually, my heart's title in here is Jesus, you're amazing. <laughs> so we'll get there, we'll get there. What was the first words ever spoken in the universe? Let it be. That is incorrect. I told you wrong. There was no universe when the first word went out, let it be, and there was light. Because there was nothing. It was a void. There was nothing there at all. And the first word that rang out by the divine imperative, let there be light. And there was light. And that divine imperative continued on. Let there be dry land, let there be water, let there be sun, moon, stars. And each time it was the word, Fee didn't know that I was going to be speaking on this, but if you track through the songs we've just sung, over and over again, it said, yes, he made the heavens and the earth. By his word, these things were created. And so it went on. And the divine imperative went again. Let there be fish in the sea, birds in the air, beasts in the field. And it was all by the word that rang out. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. You can't get much earlier than that. There's nothing, nothing there. Do you know it's impossible for us to think about nothing. Whenever you think about nothing, you think about something. You can't do it. But God started with nothing at all until the divine imperative rang out, let there be. And God said, it was good. It was good. Augustine, he said, God created the world out of nothing by the sheer power of his voice. 
by the sheer power of the word. Hebrews 11.3 By faith we understand. What do we understand? That the world was made and prepared by the Big Bang. <laughs> what rubbish. It was by the word of God. By the word of God. Psalm 33. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. We just sung that. For he spoke, and it was done. He spoke. It was done. Hang on. Who is this word? What is the word? John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being by Him. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who is the Word? It's the amazing Jesus. That's what we're talking about. That is who the Word is. Colossians 1. For by Jesus all things were created, both in the heavens and in the earth. And in him all things hold together. Scientists, physicists, Geologists, they're all asking the same question. What is preventing the world from disintegrating? What holds it together? It shouldn't hold together. We know the answer. Jesus is holding it all together. Bev Shea used to sing, he's got the whole world in his hand. And he's got you in his hand. This is the man Jesus who's actually holding the world in his hands right now, but he has you in his hands as well. That is the place, the only place of security today, in the hands of the living Jesus. Jesus is amazing. This Jesus is my saviour. He is my Lord. This Jesus is my shepherd. He is my rock. But he's also my commander. He calls the shots. He spoke and it was done. We jump into the New Testament, into Matthew 8. Those evil spirits came out with a word, just one, a word of divine imperative. Out! Next sentence, and he healed all. Pop back into verse 8 of Matthew 8. 
centurion, not a Jew, sees Jesus, says, Jesus, my servant is desperately ill. You don't have to come to my house, but I beg of you, would you heal him? Just say the word, and he'll be healed. Jesus, wow, I haven't seen such faith amongst all the other congregations. He's healed right now. And in that moment, he was healed by the word. Well, the rubber's got to hit the, hit the road somewhere. What does Jesus say to us? Okay, we bond from Genesis 1, zip through down, through the Psalms into Gospels and Colossians. But we've just jumped over one small verse. John 14, verse 12. What is Jesus saying? Truly, truly, I say to you, not to me, it's to you. <laughs> uh -huh. He who believes in me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Ah. Oh. And greater works shall he do? Why? How? Because I go to the Father, I release the Holy Spirit. That's the key. Jesus went back to the Father and he said, now Holy Spirit, I release you to impart the power of the Word to go through you. That you might speak out the divine imperative? Are you sure? Do you think that's possible? Have you ever had that word of command rise up in your heart and you know the Holy Spirit is prompting you to say something imperative to a situation? And then you've doubted it, and you thought, could I really say, let it be? And it was done. Or could I actually hear the Holy Spirit whisper, speak the divine imperative now? A few weeks ago, I was on the tractor. I was mowing. And uh, as a mode, I would have to gather the grass into great heaps, the old sort of haycock, and break it all together, and then with the dung fork, load it onto my trailer. And so I was out there mowing and making these large heaps, and suddenly I just noticed something flashed past my face. It's like a, a white bumblebee. And it went straight into this 
great pond of grass. I thought, oh, that's strange. I haven't seen a white pond before. Anyway, I kept on loading on the grass, making a big heap. And then, in a moment, I suddenly thought, hang on, there's a hole in my mouth. I can't say f any f any f. My crown was not a bumblebee. And it was gone! And it's in the grass! And I've been heaping it up! Oh no, what do you do? I call it in that situation that many of you will do. You just jump straight into Luke 11 9. <laughs> Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Not going to be open. Great. Done it before, done it many times, and great. It, that promise is a wonderful promise. Found all sorts of things. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit said, Don't you dare. Use that promise this time. You are not to. I thought, what? I'm not hearing right. It's the only thing I know. I've got to find that tooth. That's 300 pounds if I don't find that. <laughs> he said, don't you dare use that promise. So I said to God, what, 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 do, I, what do I do then? And I said, what have you been studying recently? What have you been meditating on? What have you been searching the scriptures about? And I said, well, it's the divine imperative. The command of God. Let it be. Oh. Oh. I said, God, are you wanting me to speak to that tooth and command it to reveal itself? He says, yeah. I looked over the hedge to check whether the car in the next door was watching. <laughs> <laughs> then I said to the Lord, well, okay, Lord, I know what you're at now. I know you've got me cornered. I'm not just got to read the word, I've got to act on it. But is there a Bible precedent anywhere that can sort of give me a little bit of foundation? And immediately, because I thought of 2 Kings 6.6. 6. Oh, yeah. The prophets of Elisha, they wanted to build a bigger study house down by the Jordan. And so there they were with their axes, and they were felling the trees. And then suddenly, BOOM! Oh, no! The axe fell off. Straight into the Jordan. Gone. And he said, oh, it was borrowed. Isn't it amazing? Everything you've bought busts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Elisha, what did he do? He just, uh, he, he, he cut a stick. And then he said, uh, where exactly did it fall? And I said, well, it was way over there. Oh, that's all right. So Elijah just chucked the stick. Crushes that. And he just chucked the stick in. And then the law of gravity completely turned on its head. And the axe head floated and came to the surface. That must be the shortest miracle in the Bible, but it happened. Just a couple of verses. 2 Kings 6 6. 
too. <laughs> I was hoping you would forget that. Let's move on. <laughs> He's tracking me. <laughs> so I just stood by this heap of grass and I just called out loud. I said, I now speak with the divine imperative, truth, truth, you will reveal yourself now. And immediately, I just bent down, I just pulled the grass like that, stuck my head in, <laughs> opened my eyes, and there was the truth right at the very bottom in the roots of the grass, just like that. That cranked my tractor, I tell you. I mean, I was so full of joy. I was bouncing around. I thought, this, I didn't bother. I was pleased. I found a tooth. That's okay. But what I was thrilled at was, I'd heard God. Yeah. I'd put it to the test. And it worked. Yeah. Just for me. Yeah. All private-like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was a happy bunny. I went home and of course immediately the family were all there and uh, they immediately said, oh, you lost a tooth. <laughs> yes. I felt just too... What's the word? I felt it was so special I couldn't tell them what happened. I just said, and they said, well, did you find it? I said, yes. But I said, there's a story to that. Oh, yes. I didn't say anything. Late that night, we were in bed and I said to Celia, I said, um, did you know you got a crazy husband? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what she said? Oh, you've only just found out? <laughs> no, no, she didn't. <laughs> no, she didn't say that. She didn't say anything. I just said, you got a crazy husband. And then I told her about the truth. And then she took my hand and she said, we need to speak the divine imperative for Ben, our grandson. Just like that. Yes. So we sat up in bed and we spoke the divine imperative. Background. Ben had just finished his degree, four-year degree in America. He brought up in Thailand, Ian's son, and <clears throat> couldn't get a visa to stay in America, so he had to come back to England. And uh, that was in June. And uh, he got a, a major in economics and theology. And so, <clears throat> on route, he went to see his parents in Bangkok and started on the web business trying to apply for jobs all over the world, Australia, New Zealand, America, Brazil, everywhere for a job. And then his visa ran out in Thailand, so he had to come back to us. So he came back to our home, and that was June, July, August, September. 150 applications for a job. No job. And so, of course, he was working on the promises of God, 
glass, see if you'll knock. And uh, <clears throat> he took that literally, got on the bus, went to Exeter High Street, and he knocked on every bank door, checked it on his phone, how many banks there were, went down the street, bang, 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 every time, asked to see the manager, I'm Ben Talbot, here's my CV. I just want you to know that I can answer all the problems in the bank. And, and the managers were absolutely bowled over. And I said, wow, I've never had anyone like this. That's really, really good. Uh, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll remember you, but we don't have a job. Okay, so on and on, all, every bank in Exeter was done. No job. He got a number of interviews, which are awful the interviews, you know, that on video with nobody the other side. You have all these questions and you think you're talking to somebody, there's nobody there, it's just recorded. So, anyway, he got personal with interviews and uh, was always down to three, always in the three. And each time he was told, uh, there's somebody with more experience, no job. It went on month after month. And we're all praying and we're all feeling deeply for him. He was under pressure because his girlfriend is American, her father is a businessman, and he can't get engaged until father finds that this young man has got a job that's going to support his daughter. And so daughter was going to come and visit him in England along with her father in September and here he was, no job. So the pressure was on and then we said enough is enough, we've done all he can. So we sat up in bed and made the divine imperative. I release into the job of your choice. He went for his last interview, investment company in Exeter. He was really thrilled, it was good, and he did so well. And there were three of them, and it was given to somebody else, but they said you, they liked him so much that they're going to create a job for him, especially for him, tailor-made, and he was so excited, it just had to be ratified by London HQ. So he had to wait a few days, it was a bit tense. But anyway, the agent said, yeah, I think it's great. Looked like you've got it, that's fine. And uh, <clears throat> waited. And then the news came through. Yeah, news from London. Excuse me. And London has said no. What do you do? So you're on a roller coaster, aren't you? When you're praying, you're expecting God to answer. You've even spoken out a command. The answer is no. That lasted for a couple of days. The agent rang up and said, um, Ben, he said, there's an investment company in Exeter who happened to have seen something on the website, they're just wondering, are you free for an interview? So Ben looked at him, yes, maybe I could just squeeze it in somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to do for the last four months. 
went for the interview and I said, start Monday. So he got a job with this investment company. Uh, first job that we had to find, sending down all the charity shops because up till then all his interviews had been in borrowed suit, borrowed tie, borrowed shirt and borrowed shoes. It had nothing of his own. And so he had to go out and buy a suit, etc. Somewhere. <laughs> he goes and he comes back, he said, do you know, he said, I really appreciate the guys in my office and one thing or another, and he's very, very thrilled, so excited. He said, I've already been given a client, I'm moving millions of pounds from here to America. <laughs> I said, what do you know, Ben? He said, not a lot. It was God's choice. He's been there for about six weeks now, thrilled a bit. Yes, God. Yes, God. The natural man operates through reason. The spiritual man operates through revelation. Revelation comes from hearing God. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing brings revelation. Revelation births miracles. So when we're moving, in this realm, we've been, um, Pauline, been talking about prayer. And when we move in the realm of prayer, we are moving in the miraculous. What we cannot see, but what God does. And I just say here that the divine imperative has enormous power, but it is not a quick fix. It is not instead of importuna praying. It's not instead of persevering in prayer. It's not instead of asking, seeking, knocking. It's not instead of intercession. It's not instead of waiting on God. But the divine imperative comes by hearing the Holy Spirit in an emergency. Suddenly, you've got to say or do something. Something suddenly comes up. Come right to the A demonic spirit. A sudden healing needing. Something's really locked up in a situation and it's got to be opened. And at that point, you hear the Holy Spirit and say, Right, I've been through all these other things, but this is when I need to speak the command of God. When did Jesus do it? Mark 4. Mark 4. You all know the story. The storm on the Sea of Galilee. Incredible storm. When evening had come, he said to them, let us go over the other side. Jesus had been preaching and teaching all day. He was really, really tired. So he got in the boat, leaving the multitude. They, take, they took him along with them, just as he was, in the boat. And there were other boats. So a lot of the other disciples and believers went across in a flotilla across the Sea of Galilee. And there arose what most commentators say, most scholars say, it was a demonic storm. The fishermen knew what um, the sudden storms were on the Sea of Galilee. It comes down through the cleft of the hills and the wind gathers pace and it, there are very fierce storms. But this was something extraordinary. A fierce gale of wind and the waves were breaking over the boat so much the boat was already filling up. And Jesus was in the stern asleep, exhausted because he'd been preaching. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Jesus aroused 
and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, that is rubbish. It's in my Bible. It says hush. He did not say hush. He rebuked the wind. A better translation is be quiet. And the wind died down and became perfectly calm. I miss the waves. Okay. And he spoke to the waves. And in your Bible, they say, be still. Actually, the word there is be muzzled. Be muzzled. It's exactly the same word in the New Testament of do not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. And so Jesus, he said to the wind, be quiet, shut up. But he said to the waves, be muzzled. And immediately there was calm. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? Why are you so timid? How is it that you have no faith? Do you think possibly that Jesus said to them, you didn't have to wake me up? Do you think Jesus was saying, you could have said, be quiet, be muzzled? They became very much afraid and said to one another, who then is this? Who is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. Do you know the next person that Jesus met, just on the other side of Capernaum, stepped out of the boat, and there the demoniac met him. And the evil spirits, as soon as they saw Jesus, they said, you are Jesus, the son of the most high God. Isn't that incredible? The disciples didn't know who Jesus was, but the demons did. They recognized him. Do you know who Jesus is? not just know about him, or not even know him as your saviour. Do you know Jesus to the extent that you can follow him? And do the things that he said. And do the things that Jesus said. takes courage, doesn't it? I can talk about Jesus, I can read about him, I can come to church, I can worship, and I mean it from the depths of my heart. But suddenly I go out there, and I'm faced with some situation. Am I going to really do what Jesus said, and do the works that Jesus did, 
or will I pull back? Nothing is beyond Jesus' reach. Matthew 8, the leper came to him and said, Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus didn't stop to pray. He didn't stop to reason. He immediately just put out his hand and he touched the untouchable. And then he just said, I'm willing. And spoke the divine imperative, be clean. And immediately the leprosy just <laughs> and the leper was made whole in an instant by one word of command from Jesus. Jesus, you're amazing. Just know that the leper was close enough to the presence of Jesus to be touched. Perhaps this morning you too are close enough to Jesus to be touched. Have you ever said to Jesus, if you're willing, you can. If you're willing, you can make me clean. You can forgive me. You can relieve me of this torment that's been plugging and stabbing me for years and years. Two or three weeks ago, Sheila and I were asked to pray for a lady. She was 40, not, not a believer. But she'd had an accident 15 years earlier, smashed up her spine and her neck, and so she was um, getting ready to be put into a wheelchair. She'd been in a lot of pain. Taken a week for her mother to persuade her to ask for prayer, for healing. Finally she did. We went down and saw her. And the Lord spoke to us and he just said, just check on the trauma of this lady. And so we assumed that the trauma was what she was telling us about, the accident she'd had and all that. But she said, no. She said, the trauma for me is when I was a late teenager, I did something. And she said, it's just tormented me ever since. She said, I just cannot get it out. Every night I think about it. She said, if only, if only. I can't get rid of it. What an opening. So there's only one way to get rid of that. I said that's through Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can forgive you and release you. And she listened for the first time about how Jesus was able to set you free from the past. Just to wash you clean, to make you stand tall again. Or you don't forget it doesn't erase, but the pain and the bitterness can go. And she said, oh, if only, she said, if only I could be free from that. Cecilia led her to Jesus. And she began to weep and well up. And she began to just talk 
I suppose, to, to Jesus. And then she stopped. She said, Mother, she said, do you mind leaving the room? Because she wanted to confess things that the mother knew nothing about. So her mother said, oh, that's fine. She quickly went out. And then this lady just poured out her heart to Jesus. And we just held back and just let her, just let it all come out, all the gunk and the mess. And then we sat down. Suddenly, there was a gasp and a shout. She said, it's gone. She said, I'm free. The pain. All that torment, the nightmares. She said, it's amazing. Something's happened. So Celia said, yeah. Jesus has taken it away. Oh, she said. And so she just opened her heart and her life to Jesus. And then she said this. Do you know, she said, it's worth having 15 years of pain in my spine just to bring me to the point where I've met Jesus. She sprang out of her chair and went to get her mother. Celia said, my poor, looks like she might have been healed as well. But I have to wait on that one. Today we've been remembering all those who paid the ultimate sacrifice that we could walk free in our land. But I've been talking about somebody this morning who died and offered their life as a total sacrifice for you. That you will be able to walk free, not just physically in this green and pleasant land, but within yourself, you can be free. You can be clean. You can know that you have been forgiven. Yeah, we've all made a mess. We've all had failures. There's all things that we think, I wish, I just I wish I hadn't done it. Or I wish I had. Jesus is the only one to give you a brand new start. And there are those here this morning who are already just feeling in their heart a thumping there and saying, only it could happen to me. I need a new start this morning. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. Because God arranged it that you should be here this morning to meet him. In this atmosphere that is full, fully charged of God. The Holy Spirit. And the person who holds you in his hand. Is holding you now. And in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come forward. And we want to pray with you and introduce Jesus, the one who gave himself totally that you can walk through and become a new person. And know God as your father, as a real father. It may be, yes, you do believe in Jesus, but there's still some unresolved conflict there that you've never been able to shed. 
you come out too because Jesus wants to meet with you again. Just one story as I close. That maybe some of you have been challenged by this divine imperative you're thinking, is this something that God wants me to research into? Something that I need to inquire about a bit more? Search the scriptures. Some of you know Kaylee Rex, Ben and Helen's daughter. And Kaylee currently is at Hebron School. She's gone back there to be, um, actually she's on the staff. But one of the staff back in the summer had a dream. And they had a dream that Kaylee was to be invited back on the staff specifically to bring the reality of God to the senior girls, the A-level girls, uh, all nationalities there. And uh, the same time, the same night, Kaylee had a dream. And so this lady, Mrs. McCabe, came to Kaylee and said, I've just felt this from God. And so she went ahead by faith and said, okay, I'll give a year to this. It's a big challenge, we'll do it. So Katie went and uh, they had to put on a proper footing, so she's the PE, in charge of PE there, and also she's the dorm parent for the senior girls, so she's got a lot on her plate. But her commission from God is to see a spiritual impact on those senior girls. Well, how do you do that? Well, we pray that God would somehow break in on that situation that Kaylee, without anything that she would know about, God would suddenly give her credentials in front of all these A-level girls who were you know, thinking all sorts of things and doing things uh, and probably not of God. And uh, so time went on. Kaylee got to know the girls. And then, must have been last week or 10 days ago, half term, they have two terms a year there because um, they come from many countries. And so they have two weeks of half term. First week it's school events, swimming, gardening, drama, all that sort of stuff. Second week, parents have to come and take their children down to the beach for a week and they're responsible for them. So that particular week, they all go down to this uh, beach place and um, spend half term. Katie was elsewhere and she came in just for the last couple of days and she said, oh yeah, I just want to you know, have a couple of days down the beach before going back to term. But Mrs. McCabe had said to her, Katie, would you take uh, her youngest daughter, Lauren, in hand, just look after her and take her there. So Katie did that. So she rides down at the beach with Lauren. She looks at that's funny. Nobody's in the sea, they're all on the beach. She said, what's going on? Why isn't anybody in the sea? And so they said, oh, it's just packed full of jellyfish. There's hundreds of them everywhere. So everybody's just sitting in the baking something, wishing, I want to go swimming, but I don't. So Katie says, right, going to settle this. This is Katie speaking. <laughs> so she gets hold of her and said, come on. She walked into the sea up to her knees. And then she spoke out what I call the divine imperative. And she just spoke out over the sea. And she said, jellyfish, you have no right to invade this area. You are to leave this area now. <laughs> and then she grabbed one. She said, come on, 
quit swimming. And dived right in. You got a jellyfish to be seen. There wasn't even a jelly baby. They, they were, was, and so she and them all were just swimming around the people. They said, what is it? They're swimming, they're swimming. Let's go and have a look. So they all came in the sea and started swimming around. And then Lauren's sort of school friends came up with her. And, she's, and Lauren, Lauren said, did you hear what Miss Rick said? Mm. Katie now has real credentials amongst the students. Don't mess with Miss Rex. <laughs> this weekend she's, she's in charge of the lower school when they've got a weekend, a youth weekend, down a place where they have a, they really seek God. Next weekend she's in charge of the senior bunch at school. The divine imperative. Let's stand. <clears throat> Jesus, you are the word. And Lord Jesus, we are amazed at your love and your sacrifice for us and that you will come right alongside us and you will teach us what we are to say, what we are to do. But even more than that, at this moment, Lord Jesus, you are drawing out our heart to throw ourselves upon you to open our life and our heart to you and say, Jesus, just take me as I am. Make me the person that you wanted me to be. Open up the windows of heaven now. Just pour out your love and your blessing upon me, Lord. I need you. I need you so much. Lord Jesus, I know that there is no problem, there's no heartache that you cannot touch. And even as you touched the untouchable, I know that you won't shrink from me, but you will touch me and deal with my life. Lord, we have been challenged can I go forward from this morning and do the things, do the works that you did? And Jesus, you know that's what I want. That's what I long for. So right now, Lord Jesus, I'm opening up this altar. Lord, just draw our hearts to you and then you move upon us. In Jesus' name.